The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. All right, thanks for joining us for another edition of Winning Ponies. Uh, as you know, all of the uh, the major preps for the Derby and the Oaks are behind us, though we did have an exciting one at Oak Lawn Park over the weekend. That I can tell you, and still leaves us scratching our head a little bit, or at least Bob Baffert scratching his. We'll get to that in, in the results uh, portion of the show. Um, until then... We uh, have one guest that has never been on the show before. His name is uh, Jason Levin. Now, if you're out on the West Coast, maybe you know him. He's the longtime host of Inside Racing Radio Show. That airs every Saturday at 7 in the morning Pacific, which means, hey, us Eastern Standard Time people can certainly enjoy the show at 10 o'clock in the morning. Uh, he's on KEIB AM 1150 and live on com, And uh, it's one of the part of the iHeartRadio uh, channel. And if you don't get it live, you can get it on podcast just as you can uh, get this one. But the got a book from him back in 2002 <clears throat> very good book it was called from the desert to the derby and it was about the quest of dubai ruler sheikh mohammed under the banner of godolphin to win the kentucky derby and the things he would have to do obviously he acquired you know the, some of the best female families in the world and bred him to the top stallions couldn't do it all on his own had to buy uh, a few of them out of kentucky and bring them back um but it'll be very interesting uh now that uh, they have uh, the undefeated uh, champion essential quality that godolphin also bred so uh I guess from the desert to the Derby is really going to happen on the first Saturday in May. And our second guest, none other than Vic Stauffer, is one of the most recognized and experienced voices in thoroughbred racing. Uh, he's now been in Oaklawn's announcer's booth since uh, the 2017 uh, racing season. Quite a veteran. He's called over 40,000 races at nearly a dozen tracks. And, uh, you know, Oakland doesn't usually switch that announcer's seat real quick. Uh, he'll only be the sixth track announcer in Oakland's storied 115-year history. Well, he's got the, uh, the big in this week, no doubt about it. It is the showdown of showdowns. The now four-year-old Swiss skydiver takes on her unbelievably... Uh, talented Monomoy girl. Both of them have raced at Oaklawn Park only once in stakes races and came away with the win. <clears throat> Both of them love the mile and a 16th distance of the Apple Blossom. Of course, this is a grade one race that's going to carry a million dollar purse. And Monomoy girl, she's made 16 lifetime starts, has 14 seconds. I mean, 14 wins and two seconds. And one of those 
was through a disqualification. <clears throat> I mean, we are talking Hall of Fame status here. And Swiss guy diver, I still scratch my head along with trainer Kenny McPeak on this one. How the Preakness Stakes wasn't deemed race of the year when this filly beat the boys, uh, including Authentic, who went on to become uh, three-year-old champ and horse of the year. And uh, she beat it by a great stretch run by a neck. And that didn't go down as race of the year. Left me scratch my head. But she was voted the three-year-old champion. Monomoy Girl was voted the older mare. And these two have raced against each other before. But got to put a line through the Breeders' Cup distaff. The gates open. And Swiss Skydiver stumbled badly at the start. She usually likes to be a little bit more forwardly placed, first, second, or third. Got shuffled back to eighth for the first half of the race. Not making excuses, but if you're a gambler, there are some races you got to throw out. Anyhow, both Swiss Skydiver and Monomoy Girl have come back to win graded stakes races this year. It's going to be one heck of a matchup. Really looking forward to that. And another race at Oaklawn that brings us a million-dollar purse this week is the Oaklawn Handicap. Dying to get Vic's uh, read on this race because there are a slew of angles. So uh, that's that's a kind of a look at the lineup that I've got for you this week. Now, let's take a look at the news of the week. This one <clears throat> hits me uh, personally. Uh, gotten to know him over the years. Uh, we stay in touch, uh, you know, always at the track when we see each other, but certainly by Facebook. And uh, Jackie T.D. Houghton. I mean, this guy, when Michigan was still up and running, just ruled the state of Michigan and won, I have no idea how many riding titles, but TD was the man. And when his main client, when things went bad at Michigan and his main uh, 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 trainer, uh, Robert Gorham, uh, moved his program to Ohio, he came on over with him. Uh, he's won numerous, numerous stakes races and titles, riding mostly at Thistledown and Mahoning Valley, but he comes down to Cincinnati for stakes. Anyhow, he was involved uh, in a terrible uh, spill at Mahoning Valley with uh, Juan Machado, uh, who also went to the hospital, but he didn't get his bed. Uh, the thing about TD is, uh, I don't know if it was just the impact of the track or if it was a horse's hoof, but his face is pretty broken up. So prayers go out to TD Houghton. Uh, I've been, main contact has been through his daughter, uh, Elisa, and uh, <clears throat> she, of course, you get her through Facebook. She wants to thank everybody for the text calls and the thoughts and prayers. Um, but the the last update I got was that he broke basically every bone in his face and he's going to be having surgery sometime this week. And the main thing is the doctors are trying to get the swelling down and the bleeding under control. So as I get an update next week from Elisa, I will pass it along to him. God bless you, TD Houghton. You're one hell of a competitor and outstanding rider. Well, um, we, uh, had a close call, at Belmont Park this week uh, with Barnes 60 catching fire. And uh, so we, uh, I don't know that they've uh, stated exactly what the uh, 
the cause of it was yet. But uh, sad to say, uh, two horses did die. Uh, they were under the care of trainer Wayne Potts. Um, and uh, so uh, the uh, he did lose a grade three stakes winner, nine-year-old American sailor. Uh, and and I, I'll put it in his words. He says, I want to take a moment to express my sincere gratitude to everyone who assisted in removing my horses from the fire this evening. This came out at one in the morning. Thank you from the bottom of my heart to every single one of you that put yourselves at risk to make sure 58 horses were able to see another day. The actions of so many this evening prove that this industry is a family with a fierce love of the horse that triumphs over anything else. So he lost Beastie D, an American sailor. Uh, Wayne Potts, our heart goes out to you. But you know what? I salute the amazing people on the backstretch and the fire departments of uh, uh, Belmont, uh, Elmont, I guess it is. Uh, uh, the other horses in the stable were uh, trained by Jeffrey Englehart. Uh, again, 58 horses and all got out but two. Uh, that's pretty amazing because, as you know, horses, their their barn is their home. And when they panic, they go back to their home. And many a good horse has died in a fire because of uh, that uh, fleeing uh, instinct that they have. All right. This just came out a couple hours ago. Uh, and it's that Laurel's weekend cards are going to be canceled due to track issues. I'm talking about the main track. So they'll be canceled from Saturday the 17th through the 19th at Laurel. Um, but check this out. Uh, they found it during regular track maintenance, but due to the uncertainty of the timeline to take care of the business on the main track um, at Laurel, uh, they've, sub they've uh, put in an application. It looks like the racing is going to move to Pimlico race course, probably starting April 22nd on an emergency basis. So uh, if one of those tracks has a bias, obviously they haven't used uh, Pimlico for a while. You'll have to alter your handicapping, but uh, hopefully they'll get things done on the main track. And uh, just interesting that uh, they're close enough to Pimlico that they can run the card there. <clears throat> Ricardo Santana. Well, letting the cat out of the bag here from results section, uh, pulled the upset in the Arkansas Derby and he got jockey of the week. I met this guy, really nice gentleman. Uh, so not only did he win the grade one Arkansas Derby, but he set three milestones at Oak Lawn Park. Uh, obviously he got jockey of the week's uh, honor from the Jockeys Guild, but uh, riding for his main client, Steve Asmussen, uh, he, Superstock was the one that got him the grade one Arkansas Derby off at 12-2-1. I hope you had it. So he's got 100 points, and uh, I just saw a great interview with Asmussen. <clears throat> you can Google it, folks. Our friend Jenny Reese, representing the Kentucky HBPA, uh, is down there. She's got boots on the ground, and there's some really good interviews on there uh, with Kenny McPeak. She's got a fresh one out with Todd Pletcher. But the, the, the one with Steve Asmussen was really good because it goes into his family connection with Superstock. Uh, it, it, it is, I guess, one of the good things um, that came out of COVID. The horse is going to be entered in a, in a sale, 
Um, his father, uh, Keith, and partner Earl Irv Woolsey, who's well-known on the country music scene. I do believe he's the guy that discovered uh, George Strait. So uh, nonetheless, he is uh, uh, very emotional about the whole thing. This is the horse that his son won his uh, first and only stakes race on. And uh, so uh, anyhow, that's Asmussen Santana. Uh, he's the seven-time Oaklawn riding champion. The, the other uh, milestones he had became the ninth rider in uh, Oaklawn history to reach 600 career victories. And uh, he broke a single-season Oaklawn record for purse earnings with $4.4 million. What a rider. Well, Jose, Jose Ortiz couldn't get jockey of the week, but he did bag five winners from six mounts at Aqueduct. Uh, not bad at all, including uh, the featured $100,000 Plenty of Grace. Now, the five-win day puts him on top of Aqueduct Spring Meet Jockey standings with uh, with 16 wins. Four more than who else? Irad Ortiz, who's down at Keeneland this past week. So we'll find out. Uh, he'll be coming back. I want to catch his brother. You know, he says, uh, you want to win every meet that you can. But Irad wasn't here this week, and I'm sure he'll come back and be competitive next week. So uh, congratulations to Jose Ortiz. And his brother will be back to compete later in the week. All right. Well, that pretty much... Uh, Helps me get through some of the business I want to take care of in this first section. If time allows, we'll get back to it. But uh, nonetheless, uh, uh, we're going to take a, a, a break. And we come back, Jason Levin out on the West Coast is going to join us. I'm John Engelhart, and you're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll free. 1 866 472 5788. Or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right, and with me right now, a first-time starter, 
uh, for winning ponies anyhow. Jason Levin's with us. He's uh, not afraid of a microphone. Uh, he's the longtime host of Inside Racing Radio Show airs, as I told you. Get your pencils out, folks. Every Saturday at 7 in the morning Pacific, which means we get to sleep in on the East Coast and turn it on at uh, 10 o'clock uh, on KE. I-B-A-M 1150, live on www.racingjason.com, and it's also in the iHeart family, so you can pull down the podcast if you missed the show. Jason, welcome to Winning Ponies. That's a pleasure to be here. Let's do it. Well, we we are. We are. Well, since this is your first time starter on Winning Ponies, uh, we want to let our audience know, uh, you know, your roots, how you got into it, um, and uh, the steps that you've taken into becoming uh, both an author. I did mention your book, From the Desert to the Derby, which we'll mention again, and also uh, an on-air personality for Thoroughbred Racing. So where did the bug begin, Jason? Um, I'm actually bred for it on both sides. So uh, (laughs) as it turns out, my mother's father... Um, was a box seat holder at Hollywood Park uh, and Santa Anita. Um, He was in the grocery business, so he got up at 3.30. He was done working by about 1. And uh, like a lot of other people with that kind of schedule, postal workers, people like that, that left time to go to the track in the afternoon, and he did. So he loved it. Uh, He took my mom. She enjoyed it. So I had it on that side. And then on the other side, my dad... uh, I think the first time he went to the track was at Del Mar when he was in the Navy in the 50s. He got hooked. And um, when I was a kid, he, he started taking me. So I, I really, you know, New York, California, I kind of bounced back and forth. I, I went to tracks on both coasts. And uh, I think I came of age in, in what has to be the golden era of horse racing. I, you know, I, I remember some big horses out here in the early 70s. And then, of course, Secretariat. Um, 73, I was 11, so kind of perfect timing. And then, uh, started going to the track more with my dad and was lucky enough to see Seattle slew, uh, get beat actually, uh, by Joe Tobin. By Joe Tobin, yes. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, and of course this will be familiar to a lot of listeners. I, uh, I bet J.O. Tobin, I believe he was five to one. And I think I bet $5 on him uh, for a 15 year old, 14 year old. That was a lot of money. And yeah, yeah, Bill Shoemaker took him to the lead. He was obviously the the local favorite. And if people remember this Shoemaker before the race was very vocal about saying that J.O. Tobin was a superstar. He didn't show what he could in the Preakness and he was going to win. He was going to beat the slew. He's going to beat the undefeated triple crown champ. And people were pretty shocked that he would go out on a limb like that. And um, we know Slew was tired and all that, but he he beat him uh, and and he smoked him. And when they came around to turn, I think sixty thousand people uh, at Hollywood Park, it was actually shaking. The place was shaking, and I, I've never you know been in anything that exciting. So uh, if I wasn't hooked before, that got me. Uh, and then I, I actually saw Affirmed and Ali Dar in the Belmont. And uh, was rooting for a firm. So, you know, winning that photo and seeing him win the triple crown, uh, that that was it. So after that, it was all bets are off for me. I'm, I'm in. Now, now, as a young man, did you have a lot of frequent flyer tickets or exactly where did you live? <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, my, my parents divorced when I was little, and my dad stayed in New York, and uh, I was there until I was 11, and then came out to California with my mom. That's where her family was. And then actually went back to New York for high school um, in 77, which is why I was at that Belmont. Um, so I was kind of back and forth uh, the whole time and uh, saw a lot of great racing because of it. Did a lot of time at Saratoga in the summer with my dad. We'd play golf in the morning and go to the track in the afternoon. And now I understand why he considered that the perfect day. <laughs> yes. In many people's book to this day. That would be the perfect day because uh, I was yeah. I was a little little paddock rat up at Saratoga myself. My brother Bob worked up there and uh, I'd go up with the neighbor lady and run bets for my brother and her uh, son that were working there. So I uh, love the place. Grown. As a matter of fact, I knew little Andy when he was little Andy. There so, you go. Very, and very I, good. I've, I've done some seminars with him. So uh, I, I go back a little ways with Andy. In fact, I did one with him at Saratoga uh when i was promoting the book and, and he wasn't real happy about it he didn't consider me a real handicapper so he was a little upset that i was going to be handicapping the card along with him and harvey pat but it worked out fine <laughs> you know from what i've heard he doesn't consider a lot of good handicappers handicappers so you're yeah, in a big club i think so yeah i think that that's true we got past it it was a little tense i have to say for a few minutes up there while we were doing it but we, we got past it uh, I mean, did he say something to you or was it just kind of a look or what? He actually did say something before we started. Uh, and um, yeah, so it, it was pretty funny. And, and as I recall, and I, I know I'm right about this, I had, and I take a lot of pride in my handicapping. I've done a lot of contests and, you know, I, I've learned over the years. I really spent time handicapping the car because, of course, I didn't want to you know, make a fool of myself. I want to make a good showing, right? I want to let people know sure. what I could do. And I did very well that day. And so I was pretty proud of that. And I felt like that that was kind of getting the last word. So, you know, it was all good. It was a big day for me. And, and I, I made some money and, and made some people some money. So that's, that's, that's really the, you know, that's what everybody wants. <laughs> oh, that, that, that is great. We're, 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 we're ch talking with, uh, uh, Jason Levin and, uh, I, Guess you're you're anchored in the West Coast now, right? Yes, I've been out here really since 1980. Yeah, I came out to college here and never left. Um, now let let's move on because this is a book that I have, and the thing is, I had to go from one office to another, so I got a storage space, and so I had a, I cut my library in half, and I'm kicking myself because I wish I could have grabbed it. I could make more direct references to the things in the book. But it was uh, very interesting. It was called From the Desert to the Derby. It had a great, brilliant cover of uh, yeah. like the hot sun rising. You can almost feel the, the sand dunes. Uh, but there was obviously a horse image there. But uh, two things. A, what drove you to write that book? And B, mm -hmm. For the last nine years, you've been sweating it out going, man, I spent a lot of time on a book writing about something that's never going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the idea for the book, I was the national racing writer for FoxSports.com, right? Kind of in the beginning of the big Internet thing. And I was having a lot of fun doing that. Um, 2001. Uh, that, was a, that was a big year. 2000, 2001. And I spent time in Del Mar, and that's when Sheikh Mohammed hired 
Owen Hardy, who was the assistant to Bob Baffert. Yes. Uh, and then gave him a ton of really well-bred, expensive horses and was trying to replicate what Baffert was doing with Baffert's assistant in Baffert's backyard in order to try to win the Derby, you know, kind of follow the leader. Right. And um, so I, I found that fascinating. And, uh, and, and Hardy struggled a little bit because a lot of the horses were, were bred for distance and, you know, as two-year-olds, they sprint. Um, and so when they let almost all of us go at foxsports.com, which was a big surprise, big disappointment, I, uh, you know, I needed something to do. And I, I took that idea and I made a proposal and I took it to Steve Christ, a legendary sure. horse racing writer and, and uh, yes. personality. He had just taken over the racing form at the time, the daily racing form, and he wanted to do some books. And so I, I presented him with this book proposal and it was one of the funniest things I, really in my life. Uh, I, I really didn't know what to expect, uh, you know, doing it. And I met him and interviewed him and knew him. And I presented him with, you know, the book proposal it was pretty thorough. And I told him what I wanted to do. And he kind of looked at me sideways and he said, you know what? I like that. I, I, let's do it. And I kind of looked at him like, does that mean yes? And he kind of <laughs> nodded and said, I said, so that's it? Like one meeting? And he said, yeah, it doesn't usually work that way, but you got me at the right time. I have to talk to some other people, but I, I think it's a go. And I, I walked out and called my dad. He said, how'd that go? I said, I, I think they bought it. He said, like that? <laughs> I said, yeah. So, you know, timing is everything. And so they put me on a very strict deadline in order to get it out by the next derby. And so I really had to uh, work my butt off literally every day for the next eight months to get it done. And uh, we got it done. The, they didn't win the derby, which I knew they wouldn't with that crop. Uh, and they haven't won it since. So here we are almost 20 years later. Um, and uh, Sheikh Mohammed uh, now has the favorite for the Derby. So this is his best chance ever after spending a couple billion, and that's billion with a B, to win one race. He still hasn't won it. And here he is with a homebred, and he's got a great chance. Now, were you, were you able to get any personal time with Sheikh Mohammed? <laughs> I was uh, only because I flew to Europe and showed up in the paddock the day before the Arc de Triomphe and um, kind of just bluffed my way in there because he had said no. His people had said no. He wasn't going to give me an interview. And I, I got there, and it's one of those things. If you show up and you kind of get in the guy's face, you know, you make it hard for him to kind of turn and walk away. So he gave me about 10 minutes. He didn't say much, but I felt proud of the fact that I got him. So I thought that that was a pretty good accomplishment. Absolutely. No, uh, that, that, that was a good score, Jason, for sure. Still, well, you know, when you're, when you're on a deadline, you got to make something happen. It's amazing the things you'll, you'll try to do. So it was a fun trip. I have to say going to Europe, seeing a new market in England and interviewing a lot of the, the European trainers and jockeys and, and uh, people in France, that was a blast. So, I mean, that was, for me, that was kind of a dream come true. So now, from from what you've seen from then to now, uh, have, have you noticed that uh, Godolphin again has looked at the playbook and said, you know, yeah, these horses can go at a mile and a quarter, but there's plenty to do with the horse before that, and certainly anybody that's got an into mischief in the barn is feeling pretty good about themselves right now. Yeah, uh, I, I think what he learned is. You know, you can't really do it from Dubai. 
I mean, he wanted to do that because that would make a bigger splash. You know, having a horse run in Dubai, then fly over and win the Derby. That would obviously be a bigger story, but it's, 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 it's not doable. And so here they are with a homebred and, um, you know, he's accomplished his goal of, of making everybody aware of what Dubai is, where it is, and, and what have you. That was really the goal in the first place. But he still hasn't won the race. And now they're kind of doing it the way everybody else does. And uh, they got Brad Cox, who's, you know, the, the hottest young trainer in the game. And uh, here they are with the undefeated two-year-old champ. You know, and he'll be, the, he'll be probably, I don't know, three-to-one favorite. And he's got a huge chance. I mean, the horse just loves to win. You know, he's got a two-year-old foundation. It's kind of an old school horse, which is you know kind of nice these days. Yeah, I mean, and and he certainly not only did he latch on to uh, what's probably North America's hottest stallion right now. Um, you know, e- e- even with Tappet and curling around. First of all, Into Mischief must have a very high uh, sperm count because he's got <laughs> so many babies out there, but they do it all. They win it too. They win going long, you know, uh, they win going short. Uh, I've seen them win on turf, uh, whether it's Phillies or Colts. I mean, Into Mischief has had an amazing impact on the breed. And the fact that, uh, you know, he, he got to a, to them is, uh, you know, quite a tip of the cap, shall we say, uh, in in the, the breeding affairs. But again, now, I, your, your book started many moons ago, but... I'm sure from the get-go, he did nothing but surround himself with the best of the best as far as bloodstock agents and the like are concerned. Well, you know, it's funny you mention that. You would think so, and I, I think that's actually one of the main reasons that they haven't won it, because in those days when he started, the guy he had, a guy named John Ferguson, he knew European bloodstock really well, and he was much more of a turf guy. And... Uh, they bought a lot of the wrong horses for a lot of years. Um, they bought some of the right ones, but a lot of the wrong ones. And I think that that cost him many, many years uh, where he might, he would have had a much better chance to, to win the Derby and win a lot more dirt races in the United States. But they really did not have the right guy at the sales, <laughs> in my opinion. Um, and I think that's been proven out. So that's changed. And they're doing much, much better now uh, on the dirt. So I think that was part of it. Um, you know, he also doesn't like to fire people. He's very loyal if you're loyal to him. So he kept that guy around forever. And I really don't think he was the right guy for this particular race. But th- that goes back a ways. You know, I, I misspoke there with, with, with Into Mischief. And I know he has some. Uh, yeah, but essential, essential qualities of Tappet. He's a Tappet. Yeah. And, uh, you know, certainly no knock on him, who's been a, uh, a, a champion stallion. And he's another one. His, his babies, boys or girls can uh, run young and then get older and uh, run long. Now, um, I, I know that over the years you've become uh, rather astute, probably watching races uh, because you got to talk about them on air. Um, yeah. I, I was... I thought he was a beat horse. I'm looking at my notes from that. Of course, he went off at one to, to you know, uh, uh, as, as the heavy favorite, undefeated champion. But uh, he was game to win that race. But I, I don't know. Did that show that he might have a chink in his honor uh, just previous uh, to the Derby and having to go an extra eighth of a mile? Well, what, what's uh, what, what's your read on it, Jason? 
Yeah, I, I think he's a very tricky read. Um, on one hand, I thought that it showed that he could stay closer to the pace, which I think is important. Um, but on the other hand, it took him the length of the stretch to get by that horse. And for a while there, it didn't look like he was going to do it. Um, his breathing indicates the mile and a quarter may be a little too far. Um, so there are some questions. You know, even though he's undefeated, uh, like you said, that last race, you know, I, some people believe that it, it does show that he's maybe a little bit flawed. And I wouldn't really argue with that. I, I would like to see him take that horse uh, earlier and, and, you know, kind of open up on him. But he did show the will to win, and that's huge. And he's undefeated. Um, and I like the fact that he was closer to the pace. So he's a tricky read in what looks like a pretty wide open race after him. There's so many different ways to go. And he's going to be three to one. Everybody else is going to be six to one or more. So, um, you know, in an era now when favorites have dominated since they switched to the uh, point system, you know, it's been a very formful race. He's the one they have to beat, but I would not knock anybody for betting somebody else. Uh, he's no lock. Uh, and that last race was maybe a little tougher than you would have liked. Um, Jason, now uh, one thing that we we haven't touched on is uh, is your is your radio show. So tell us yeah. about the, the 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 beginning of the radio show and uh, kind of what your format is. If it's uh, just you and a lot of charts and last week's results, or if you bring on guests, kind of paint the picture for us, and then. Uh, you know, once again, and we're in no rush here, um, uh, we'll make sure that we give out all the call letters and w- ways uh, that uh, we can get to you. Yeah, it, it was interesting. You know, when I promoted the book, I did a ton of radio, both horse racing and, you know, general, and really enjoyed it. And at the time, there was no national horse racing radio show. So I thought, you know what, that'd be kind of fun. And I created a, a five-minute show that I plugged into some other shows. And then I did Racing to the Breeders' Cup and Racing to the Kentucky Derby for Sirius um, when they were just getting started and a place called Sports Byline and worked with them for a while. And so I had a lot of fun doing that for about a year and a half. And then uh, somebody heard me uh, and was aware of what I was doing. And um, he had one of the shows here in Southern California. The host was leaving. And he asked me if I was interested. And I, I said I was. Um, and I, you know, I lived here, so it was easy. And I took over hosting the show. And then three or four months later, he got in some trouble uh, <laughs> with his ability to, to handle, uh, you know, doing the show. And I took it over. I said, I'll take it. You're out. Yeah, I'm in. <laughs> and um, uh, it was a struggle, you know, in the beginning. But I made it happen 2004. And uh, that was the year of Smarty Jones. So uh, I had a, a gentleman named John Pizen, somebody you might remember. Yes, absolutely. Big hand, hand, yeah, big handicapper back in New York. He was actually working at Oaklawn, uh, doing some notes for them that year. And so he got me John Service and Stuart Elliott. And Smarty Jones was kind of our horse. You know, we followed him from January and tracked him all the way through the Derby. And of course he almost won the triple crown. And I think that really helped get the show rolling. Um, and we were just having a lot of fun. So it, it used to be two days a week, Saturday and Sunday for the first four or five years and cut back to one. And um, the format is I do about the first 10 or 15 minutes. I kind of recap what's happened. Uh, big news around the country, big races. I focus Sounds on. Sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's going to happen. You know, Saturday's the big day anyway. And so, 
I focus on the big races that day around the country, a little bit more focus on Southern California, obviously, but I, I, I'm big on the national scene. And then uh, I have some regular guests that come on, handicap some races, uh, three of them, including uh, Thoroughgraph, who have been with me since since the get-go, 2004. I think those guys are, are just unbelievable, and they've helped my handicapping so much over the years. I'm twice the handicapper I was, and, and uh, I do more than twice as well as I used to. So it's been an education for me and, and a lot of fun. I do some interviews, not as many as I used to. Um, with jockeys or trainers or owners, whoever. Um, and, um, and that's how we do it. So it's pretty fast paced and, uh, you get a lot of, a lot of options, a lot of horses to watch for the day. And, uh, and we have a good time, try to keep it positive too. That's the other thing I think that's been fun is I tend to, to try to do that. I think there's a lot of negative in horse racing. I touch on it. And if there's a story, I'll, I'll cover it and I'll give my opinion, but I try to stay positive and, uh, keep things moving. Well, listen, if you're doing a show on national racing, then I'm going to tap you right now for something. Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure you're prepared for it. And that would be Saturday's Apple Blossom at Oak oh, Lawn Park. On. Great Bring one, on. $1 million. I mean, all you can say is great things about both Swiss Skydiver and Monomoy Girl. Yeah, this is really, I think, my favorite thing in racing now because we don't see showdowns like this very often because they duck each other and there's so many different places to run. When you get a race like this, I, I just think it's awesome. Uh, I give credit to both connections, and, man, this is going to be great. They're both at the top of their game, which is also pretty rare. Uh, just an epic showdown, and there have been some in that race you know, before, um, but this one is as good as it gets. These are two of the maybe five or six best horses, male or female in the country. Um, you know, Swiss guy never beat the oh, boys. Oh yeah. Uh, this is, this is going to be unbelievable. And uh, I, I'm leaning towards Swiss guy diver. I, I think she's the younger horse. I think she still has room to improve. And I think she might need to run her best career race to win this one, but I think she's kind of set up to do it. She's had her uh, race under her belt. And uh, I think she has a little bit more natural speed. But um, it's going to be unbelievable, and I think they're going to hook up pretty early, and we're going to see what might be kind of like a Ferns and Alidar back in that Belmont where they go at it for the final half mile or so, and, and then we'll see you know, who's best. Swiss Skydiver did beat Authentic doing that, so she can do that. She can take you on and look you in the eye and beat you, and um, this will be, be her biggest test. So I'm, I'm about as pumped up as I can be for, for a race for this one. Yeah, I mean, there's so many uh, similar similarities and things that aren't similar. Uh, first of all, Monomoy Girl had that amazing two-year break, and she has yeah. lost a race since she came back. I mean, I'm, there'll be a book written about this horse. Then uh, yeah. Spendthrift plunks down $6 million and decides yeah. to race her for another season instead of breeding her to, well, I was talking about into mischief later. They can breed her to any yeah. one of those top horses at, at Spendthrift. I mean, this is a real sporting venture on Spendthrift's, yeah. uh, you, you know, resume. But then yeah. on the Swiss Skydiver thing, holy cow. I remember one time last year, I kind of, this horse had made like nine starts at nine different racetracks. Maybe it was right. 10. I mean, Kenny McPeak ducks nobody, and he finds these horses, and this is not some kind of fluke. 
$35,000 and she's now won over 2 million. I'm tell I knew Kenny. I was there when he won his first race and it was at River Downs in Cincinnati, <laughs> Ohio, okay? So I've yeah. known Kenny for a long time, back when he had long hair and was about 80 pounds lighter. And uh, he's we've stayed friends to these days, and I just admire him. But the, the, the two differences I see between the horses outside of their great success is, is the fact that, all right, they both took the winner off, then they came back on nice uh, training regimens, and they've each won a graded stakes race. Ding, ding, ding. Monomoy Girl did win at Oaklawn, but it was a grade three by Ekoa. Swiss Skydiver ships from Kentucky to Santa Anita and wins the grade one beholder. Yeah. I wonder if, that, if that's the edge, because she was, if you're a fan of buyer figures, and as a friend of Stephen Chris, you should be, um, the uh, Swiss Skydiver uh, was five points faster. She recorded a 101, and Monomoy Girl recorded a, a 96, albeit, uh, if you go back and watch the race, uh, Florent Giroux didn't stand up on her. He he kept a task, as the charts say, um, and that was also a sloppy track. So uh, this will be interesting. Yeah. I haven't checked the weather report uh, out there in Hot Springs yet, but uh, e either way, I just want – I'm not going to bet the race. That would be silly. Um, yeah. Is, yeah. Is just sit back and watch two amazing horses go at it nobody ducking anybody it, it, it's nope. it's going to be wonderful and wonderful for racing which is why i can't stop talking about this race jason exactly i couldn't agree more and i'll remind you there was an apple blossom back about i don't know 12 years ago or so yeah um, i know where you're going well ginger punch was the she was kind of the monomoy girl at the time she was the you know she won the breeders cup she was the dominant older mare trained by bobby frankel and Zenyatta was the up-and-comer. And, -comer. and um, Ginger Punch was the huge favorite. And um, that was Zenyatta's first or second race on the dirt. And she absolutely just ran around Ginger Punch like she, was, she wasn't even there. And drew off and won by five. And I think that was when a lot of people you know, had to sit up and say, wait a minute, what is this? And we know what she did after that. Um, so, I mean, that was a pretty, pretty big matchup, Apple Blossom. And the other one that I remember is Azari. I'm sure you remember her. Uh, yes. she was undefeated and that was a big, big deal. Keep, you know, trying to stay undefeated. And, and she ran in the Apple Blossom, I think to open her season. And there was a tremendous amount of pressure. Laura Desaru was the trainer. And I remember talking to her quite a bit. I had her on the show and, uh, she was really scared. Um, take charge lady was the horse that she was worried about. Kenny um, McPhee. She's turned, yeah, that's right. There you go. He's been here before and take charge lady ran the race of her life. And Azari was, was classy enough to nail her in the final, maybe 20 yards. And it was one of the, the great stretch runs you'll ever see. I recommend people go look at it. They can find it online. So, I mean, those are two pretty amazing apple blossoms. There've been many others. This one's going to be, I mean, sets up to be as good as those and uh, just thrilled that they're doing it. You know, just we need more like this. And, uh, I, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be great. I give well, Kenny I, a lot of credit. I have a souvenir from the greatest apple blossom that never was. 
Yeah, that involves Zenyatta. <laughs> yep, Zenyatta and Rachel Alexandra were supposed yeah. to meet up, and something or the other happened to one of them. And actually, the um, the people from a hot springs, the tourist convention center, made baseball cards and put them in yeah. packs. As and I actually have a couple packs that I got sent from, uh, I don't know, the hospitality people of Hot Springs because they, they heard I was going to be talking about it. So somewhere amongst my many, many collectibles that I don't know where they are anymore, in, including <laughs> your book, um, is a pack of cards. Uh, so anyhow, Jason, I thanks for hanging with me. I know, I know I probably went a little bit longer than you expected, but we had a lot oh. of information to get out there. But the main information sure. is this. Real quick, tell people how they can, A, listen to you, and B, get a hold of you if they want to. Yeah. Um, I mean, the show, the easiest way is to go to probably my website, which is uh, racingjason.com. So that's pretty easy. And uh, the show is 7 o'clock Pacific every Saturday morning. The podcast goes up about a half an hour after the show. You can find it at my website. You can also find it on iHeartRadio very easily. So pretty easy to access. Um, and if you want to uh, email me, you can do that at uh, jason at racingjason.com. So also uh, pretty easy to get a hold of me. And, um, yeah, have fun every Saturday, you know, doing just what you and I were doing, you know, talking racing and, and uh, sharing some stories, giving out some horses, trying to make some money, um, and try to have a good time with the great game. Um, so, right. you know, it's uh, easy. All right, uh, Jason Levin, uh, thanks for joining us on Winning Ponies, and you can bet it won't be the last time. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. This was a blast. I do this anytime. <laughs> All right. Well, I got your number now, and you just said that on air, so we got it on tape. You can't turn me down. All right, well, Jason Levin from uh, the West Coast uh, telling us about his, uh, uh, his story and, and the book, and we will find out uh, if he, Essential Quality can get the job done for the Sheik. Well, we're going to take a little bit of a break while we're reaching out to Vic Stauffer, and we come back, we're going to close out the show for you. I'm John Engelhart, and you're listening to Winning Pony. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com
You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right. Well, uh, sad to say uh, we haven't been able to get a hold of Vic Stoffer. I know he's a jockey agent, which means he goes to work pretty early in the morning. So uh, he may have nodded off on the couch waiting for my call or my producer Josh's call and uh, and missed it. But anyhow, we've got plenty of news uh, to bring to you. This show will stay exciting, ladies and gentlemen. I guarantee it. Again, the 85th Arkansas Derby, let's face it, this was, uh, you know, supposed to be the final crowning of concert tour had he won this race at one to five for trainer Bob Baffert, would have remained undefeated and maybe have been the favorite over essential quality in the Kentucky Derby. Uh, concert tour uh, t- took off and uh, got into uh a bit of a duel, not a crazy one, with Cotto River, who set most of the pace. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, tucked down on the rail, breaking from the one hole, was uh, Ricardo Santana Jr., who we told you was jockey of the week. And uh, Superstock gets the job done at 12 to 1. My hat's also off to Molly Wolfendale. Now, here are these two big favorites, Concert Tour and Caddo River. And Molly Wolfendale, uh, who works for uh, Fox Sports, she picks Superstock. She says, my God, this Colt, he's a son of Dialed In, um, is big and beautiful. Asmussen's got him ready, and he's my pick. At 12 to 1, Molly Wolfendale. Molly Wolfendale, I tip my cat to you. But nonetheless, Superstock, as I may have mentioned earlier, was a victim of COVID. He was supposed to go through a sale. He couldn't. And one thing happened to another. And then uh, uh, Asmussen's son, Keith, uh, as you know, it's anything, you know, believe it or not, Steve was once a jockey. So I think he has beginning to outgrow the saddle. And I, he didn't call Steve Asmussen. He called his grandfather, Keith, and said, Granddad, the, this horse is eligible for the Texas Thoroughbred Futurity. That was the sale that was canceled. And he said, talk Stephen to let me ride. So he did. And uh, they ended up winning by three and a half lengths. That race was only five and a half furlongs at Lone Star Park. But it's a very interesting family tale. Needless to say, uh, he uh, uh, kind of uh, uh, had to take a break uh, after the Breeders' Futurity. Steve says I probably shouldn't have raced him in that. He still finished third to essential quality, keep me in mind, and then finished the season with a second and none other than King Fury, who won the Stone Street Lexington uh, last weekend. And uh, 
super stock just exploded at the 16th pole and uh ricardo santana uh pulled him off the rail which he had hugged the whole way around past Cotto River and Concert Tour and got the job done with authority. Cotto River running second, Concert Tour third for his first race, not in first during his career. Committed this race off three straight wins, including the San Vincente and the Rebel Stakes. And uh, Baffert, I I don't know. Uh, He's been a kind of less committal about if concert tour is going to go for the mile and a quarter. Uh, he didn't get the mile and an eighth. Uh, we'll find out. You never know when a horse has a, a headache. He just uh, didn't get it done in the Arkansas Derby. But let me tell you, Superstock could be a now horse and a great family story for the Asmussens. Uh, also out at Oaklawn Park, we took a look at the Count Fleet. Uh, this is a grade three, half a million dollar race. And the everybody said, let's sit back and watch this one. Kind of like the apple blossom. This is the, the match between Whitmore and CZ Rocket. And uh, CZ Rocket, I think, got the slight nod at the uh, windows. And uh, he rated in sixth closed wide you know Whitmore who won this race last year he was hoping the speed would would set it up um and uh, actually he went off the favorite as even money and uh he was in a box for a while and ended up running second to CZ Rocket and third was the heavy speed horse Empire of gold. So that was the Count Fleet at Oak Lawn. And then the Oak Lawn Mile, man, a couple horses making their debut of the season. This was going to be a tough one, but it was the old hard knocker by my standards, who's now two for two at Oak Lawn, ran in the Oak Lawn handicap last year and won that. That race at a mile and eighth. The question is, can he turn back to a mile? The answer most definitively and picked by Mary Rampolini by the daily racing form, put in a huge close and got up by the shortest of noses over Rushi, who was my pick. He was headed and came back, but didn't quite get the job done. It was his first race uh, since the uh, Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile. Also have to note that was the first start for Be My Standards this season coming out of the Clark. So that was a, a great race. And, and uh, nonetheless, the, the winner, By My Standards, got it done. Got it done. Uh, then we go to Keeneland. And uh, while it was the final points race for the Derby, it was a minor points race. So some horses are going to have to fall to uh, the wayside uh, for certain horses to get in. The certain horse being an upset winner, uh, King Fury at 18 to 1. My man Brian Hernandez in the saddle for Kenny McPeak. Kenny decided to take the blinkers off after a disappointing fifth in last year's Kentucky Jockey Club. Obviously, has brought the horse up beautifully. Um, and uh, King Fury gets the job done. He's a son of Curlin. Some people might not know this. Curlin was actually picked out of the Keeneland sale by none other than Kenny McPeak. So Kenny's saying right now, hey, if we get lucky and we can get him in the gate on Derby Day, that's fine. But if not, 
we are Preakness bound. And another uh, great race, grade one, $300,000. The Jenny Wiley, the winner was Juliet Foxtrot. Wire to wire for Brad Cox, Tyler Gaffleone in the saddle. All right. Well, that pretty much closes out winning ponies for this week. I want to thank uh, Jason for joining us and uh, pray that Vic Stauffer uh, wasn't uh, in in the hospital or a jail cell. And uh, I want to wish you nothing but the best of luck and have some fun handicapping the horses and watching that apple blossom this week. I'm John Engelhart. Thanks for listening to us on Winning Ponies and pull down those easy win forms. Got some tough races out there this week. Take care, everybody. May all your photos be winning ones. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We hope the information from today's show will benefit you at the next post. Join us for more insight next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Also, look for our weekly newsletter. Have a great week, and may your photos always be winners.